This is the Business Storytelling Podcast with Christoph Trapp, available on Google, Spotify, Apple, Pandora, and other podcast channels. Want to play it on your iPhone? Just ask Siri to play the Christoph Trapp Business Storytelling Podcast, also available on Alexa. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Everyone, Christoph Trapp here, your host and author of Content Performance Culture. How is everyone doing? Happy New Year. If you have not listened to any previous shows, did one this morning on the new uh, question, uh, uh, Google Question Hub. Very, very interesting. Uh, a new tool I'm planning on using when it comes to uh, Google uh, keyword research and content creation. So when we talk about keyword research, that is part of my process, so to speak. And today we want to talk about how do you trust the process? What does that even mean? How do we uh, know that it's going to work? And maybe we don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's like the NFL. Uh, I'm still flying on a high here. Late night Washington football team breast drama in the NFL this year for sure. They won the NFC East last night. How do you know? That's why you play the name, uh, the game. I don't know if my guest today is a football fan. Maybe he, he already hung up. Uh, looks like he's still on because he doesn't like the Washington football team. I don't know. But at the end of the day, football, like digital marketing, there's a process. And you got to follow the process to make things work. And so today we ask to come on the show. We'll get him on here in a second. I want to pull up his bio really quickly. Garrett Sussman, head of marketing at Traject. Um, we ran across each other on Twitter. He shared something about um, following the process, trusting the process. And I thought, you know, I've said that many times to clients, to, to the companies I work for, um, and even myself. Let's trust the process. But easier said than done, like most everything. Let's get him on the show here. Garrett Sussman, how's it going today? Christophe, thank you so much for having me. It's funny, you mentioned the Washington football team. Believe it or not, I'm a Philadelphia Eagles sports fan, and last oh. night was painful. It, I mean, what was going on? Like, they, I don't know what they were doing, but I, nobody asked my opinion. You know, I'm happy for your team. It's funny um, if for not to get too far into sports, but the New York Giants fans are the ones who are upset. They're like, why does your team not play well or not trying to win? We're the ones who want to get into the playoffs. And Washington didn't seem like they wanted to win it, but they did enough. And here they are as champions of the NFC East. So congratulations on your team getting to the playoffs. Yeah, I, I didn't really do anything other than sit there and uh, have a heart attack, you know, nonstop. But anyway, so let's talk about what, what do we mean? What do you mean when you talk about the process? Um, and certainly, I mean, I, I should tell people this. I'm a very process-driven driven guy. That doesn't mean I hide behind a process, but I know what works. And I know how you have to get on that marathon, you know, the marathon of content strategy, because it doesn't happen overnight. I mean, think about these live streams. You know, you got to do them. You got to do a podcast. You got to keep going. You got to find good guests. And it, it, it there is a process. So what do we even mean by that? You know, it's funny. I, I, I almost, I really appreciate it. serendipitous that you brought it to sports in the first place, because the way that I was inspired by this whole concept of trust the process came from another Philadelphia sports team. And this is 2013, the basketball Philadelphia 76ers were this team that did not we're not successful achieving the goals within their league to become the best of the best, to win the championship. And they brought in a leader by the name of Sam Hinkie, 
who was their manager. And he had a unique way of doing things. He thought that if we were, you know, the team was really bad for a bunch of years, they could accumulate all of these young basketball players that would eventually over time become the best. And he thought if I gave myself enough chances to choose from the draft, from these young prospects, you know, that I would hit on one of them. And it, in Philadelphia, it was deemed as this process. There's no guarantee that the results of your process are going to work out the way that you anticipate. But if you think about your process and you put together a strategy and you execute with the information that you have, you're giving yourself the best chance possible to achieve the results that you want to hit. And so when we're talking about trust the process, it all comes down to this idea of trusting your instincts, working on your plan with the information you have available, and you're making the best decision based on that information that hopefully it will pay off and you'll get the results that you're trying to achieve. And what's, yeah, what's interesting about that too is, I mean, you know, some things work and some things don't work, even when you do them exactly the way you thought they would work. And what's interesting to me is especially when it comes to content strategy, uh, it changes all the time, right? I mean, Google algorithms change, how we distribute stuff in front of uh, two people changes. Now we got the Google question hub out, which I find fascinating already. Just to, you know, I don't know if you heard about that, but basically Google tells you what uh, what questions people ask that are going unanswered. And I look through there and some of them, I don't know the answer to. I think they're too niche or they're a different industry or whatever, but it gives me another leg up. So at the end of the day, as long as I create content that goes deep, that answers people's questions, I have a chance to win, right? I have a chance to, 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 to win with that process. But I also see people who give up way too early. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like to your point, content, you have to be adaptive. I mean, the way that people think about ranking when we're talking about content in the context of SEO, search engine optimization, and driving traffic to your website, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, Google was always about just the 10 top results. And that's how the whole industry thinks about SEO. Like at the time, they're thinking about how do I rank in those top 10 results that ultimately drives people to click on my link and go to my website. But Google has changed. It's changing faster. The way that people are getting to these results are changing. And you can't think about these old paradigms where it's just like these top 10 results are the end all be all. So you have to experiment more. You have to, you know, nobody knows what works on Google. We have ideas of what reasons that our content is going to rank. So we try these different processes. We go through them, we repeat them, and hopefully the results start to come. Because also SEO is a long play, right? It's not like, you know, you crank out an article and then all of a sudden you're on page one the next day. It's going to take two months, three months, six months down the line. I'm currently accepting requests for future virtual and on-site keynotes and workshops. In 2020 alone, I've spoken in Singapore and Istanbul, virtually of course, thanks COVID. I can't wait to get back on the road. And if we still can't get on the road in 2021, I would be happy to speak at your event 
virtually. Please reach out to me, ctrap at gmail.com or authenticstorytelling.net. SEO certainly is a long play, but how about other areas? How about other digital marketing things or even, um, you know, how you project manage? I mean, that's a whole nother thing that we have to think about today. What tools do we use and, and what don't we use? And, um, you know, how do we integrate it? I'll give you a quick example before you jump in. Quick shout out. How do we use seven channels, right? Periscope, LinkedIn, Twitch, et cetera, et cetera. We use Restream. Uh, let's see if that's coming up right there. Restream. Um, if you want to check them out, use my code to restream.io forward slash join C trap. Um, and that's it's a fantastic tool. And then the other thing is you can actually produce a podcast with them in their studio. But you can also, if you're an iPad guy or gal, uh, live stream with switcherstudio.com. That's what we're doing. So right now, when you see me looking down, I'm looking at the production uh, iPad, and then I have Restream up up here. I certainly listen to uh, to Garrett share his insights. Um, so how do we how do we even figure out what do we have to do? What do we have to use? How do we start? Um, and then, you know, how do we get people to trust us and trust the process, so to speak? Yeah, I feel like it. A lot of it begins with documentation and working within a framework. So having an idea, you know, of what you want to accomplish and how you're going to get there and then writing down those steps. Now, a lot of people start off manually and they'll do everything that they have to do painstakingly by hand until they figure out a better process that will save them time and money and efficiency. So with Restream is a perfect example, finding those opportunities to automate the process so you can do the manual menial labor that doesn't take up your time. So you can focus on the creativity and the ideas and the experimentation. Um, So when it comes to setting yourself up for success, a lot of it has to do with thinking through your process, documenting your process, and finding opportunities to automate your process that doesn't restrict your authenticity, right? Absolutely. And what's interesting about that, too, is sometimes people say to me, oh, my goodness, you're just pushing stuff out on social media and uh, whatever, like it's a robot. And I'm like, but it's still my opinion. It's still my thoughts. It has nothing to do with my authenticity. And here's the other thing. Uh, When I met Jeff Bullis, I don't know, five years ago in, in Mumbai, he talked about how he tweets every 15 minutes. So the other day when somebody gave me a hard time about uh, tweeting all the time, and I don't, I don't tweet every 15 minutes. He still does. I actually went to his account to check it and he still does. So it's still working for him. I think it's quite a bit. I tweet, I think like 10 times a day uh, through buffer, but at the end of the day, they are my own thoughts. Right. So, um, but the other thing is too, we have to be careful. We don't just have to find a new tool or we don't just have to find a new anything automated if it already exists. I'll give you an example. I've had fantastic strategists over the years who, who put up Google Data Studios for uh, studio dashboards for very, very specific things. And we needed them because it didn't show in that exact same way in Google Analytics. So today I was looking at some goals for the year and I said, well, I, I need this and this and this and this. And they're really at the end of the day, all those goals I was looking at for the day had to do with SEO. And I'm like, 
I really don't need a Google Data Studio dashboard for SEO. Like I literally can just, I can pull up Google Search Console and I can pull up Google Analytics. Like, would it be nicer to have that in one dashboard? I, I'm not even convinced it is. But again, like it took me a little bit to work through it, right? And I'm like, maybe I don't need it. So, you know, we got to get, that's a, that's okay to to do as well, I guess. Yeah, I, I, it's interesting because it's like you you battle between this idea of what works for you and what you're used to and where you thrive versus, you know, if you're if you're doing everything solo, that's all you have to worry about. But say you're working within a team and you have different stakeholders are involved, maybe that's where some of these tools come into play that will matter. Like, for instance, with um, Google Data Studio or Scythe, which is one of the traject tools, is this idea of you want everyone to be on the same page and be able to see what you're seeing. And if you're going to send them, like if you're an agency and you're sending a client different, all these different reports and creating all this extra work for your client where, you know, they're looking at their social media report and then they're looking at their SEO report and you're doing all this work for them. Maybe in this case, it's more holistic to have one single dashboard where they can see it all pulled together. And that's really effective. I think to your point, context matters, right? Whatever the specific use case is, figure out what works best for you, what works best for you and your clients, what works best for you and your employees. Absolutely. And but the other thing is too, we have to remember that people need to look at the metrics and they actually need to figure out, you know, do we want them? I'll, I'll give you another example. Um, you know, there's different things that we need to measure, right? There's top of the funnel, there's middle of the funnel, there's bottom. And the other day I was talking to somebody and and she said, well, that's not top of the funnel. That's bottom of the top of the funnel. So now we're breaking <laughs> that up. And she was correct. She really was. And, you know, then some people are out there arguing there is no funnel, which I don't necessarily disagree with either because keep people go out and come in and, and all those other things. But people need to consider what do we want to measure? Do we believe in it? Do we believe in it moving forward? And I, I'm, I'm telling you, I've seen... Many, many projects, they start and they stop and they start and they stop. And I even, we had uh, Nava Hopkins on the show, the, the PPC expert. And she said, you know, when people run a campaign and they don't want to spend more than, they want to spend less than $15,000 and stop and go, we don't, I don't even accept them because it's not going to work. You kind of, and that's paid where we say this is quickly, right? That's the, 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 quick, ver the quick version. And even she is saying it's going to take us some time. So how do we get, especially when we think about executives, we think about teams, how do we keep people on track and believing that this is the process? I mean, it's like the football team to an extent, right? Or not, not the football, like any football team. Um, you know, you just, this is the process. You got to go work out. You got to go block people. You got to throw the ball. You got to do whatever. Uh, how, how, do we, how do we make sure people have that in their minds? Yeah, I, I think that's a really great question. And I think it's very hard within different organizations to identify how you're gonna how you're gonna focus on these goals. The the thing is everyone needs to agree with what the goals are. Are you focused on revenue? Are you focused on sales? Are you focused on you know, vanity metrics of like followers? What is important to the company? And all get on the same page there, right? Then you're gonna think about what are the different strategies and tactics that are going to move those goals? Are there things that are working right now? And are, is that process documented? And are you, is that something that you can scale and you don't have to worry about? 
Or are you constantly experimenting and figuring out what's working? Because maybe you work in an industry where things are always changing. I think having these frameworks, whether you break them up on a yearly basis, I mean, here we are, you know, in January, right now trying to figure out how we're approaching all of 2021, you know, 20, oh man, there's a whole year ahead of us. So are you looking at it in the context of a year? Are you looking at it in the context of a quarter? Are you looking at it in the context of the monthly? And then how often are you revisiting that documentation, revisiting the processes and seeing what works, what doesn't work, what are we doing more of, and what are we doing less of? Yeah, what's interesting about that as well is, I mean, every, every company wants money, make money. Every company will, you know, needs money. Uh, same here. I'm not opposed to making money at all. But at the end of the day, there's other things that you have to also do to actually make money and to stay top of mind. And here's the other thing. The competition is outrageous. I mean, every industry, like I find it fascinating when I go into an industry I hadn't worked in, you know, or I don't know much about. It's fascinating to see how much competition there is. The other day I was looking at it was um, a company that is only doing consulting for family owned businesses. Talk about very specific, right? And super competitive. Like super like I, I Googled somebody and there was five ads on a branded search, you know, and so super competitive, right? I mean, it's not just everybody is now competing. So some of those other things, they are helping you stand out, right? If you have a better story, if you have a great story, if you have a great brand presence, it's like these. We're going to have a chat here like friends. I didn't bring a drink. It is uh, 3.35, but it's uh, you have one right there. No, I only got a water. Um, but, you know, people either will like us. I mean, everybody will love you, but they either will like us um, or they will hate me, right? But, but at the end of the day, they see what we're about. They see if we know what we're talking about. They see if we're authentic or whatever. Um, I do want to mention quickly, I was writing down vanity metrics, and I usually, that's a little bit of a trigger word, has been over the years when people throw their trigger word anymore, honestly, because you mentioned followers. And here's the thing. Here's the reality when it comes to social media. Just because you have a lot of followers doesn't mean anybody sees anything because it's still, you know, influenced by the algorithm. So it's just something to keep in mind. If you know, I sometimes have people say, well, we got to grow our followers. And I'm like, why? What we want to grow is our audience, right? And you can do that with a number of different ways, uh, which growing your followers might not necessarily necessarily be the one. Um, so I do agree with that. But then the goals, we have to set other goals, right? Top of the funnel goals, middle of the funnel goal, bottom. Um, how do we do that? How do we start? What are some examples? that you can think of. I mean, top of the funnel, I'm thinking of SEO again, right? Or people who search for um, those kind of terms that aren't even about us, but they are about the topics that we sell something into. Um, and then bottom of the funnel, it's like, you know, somebody searches for Christoph Trapp's book, right? I don't have to sell them anymore. They're already looking for my book. And I, I think when you bring up a book, it's a good point of like how there are these different types of businesses out here and their goals are going to be wildly different. Like if you think about an e-commerce company that's trying to sell products, 
you know, they're, it's going to be very tied to their store, very tied to the sales, very tied to the average customer, you know, value. Whereas if you are working in local SEO and you work at a doctor's office or a law firm, you know, you might be focused on appointments and calls and those types of metrics that are really driving new clients or an agency. If you're a marketing agency, you know, anything around leads for new clients. Um, I currently work for a variety of SaaS companies. So we're very focused on obviously subscribers, but also free trials. Um, A media publisher is going to be tied to traffic and ad sales. I think understanding your company and what your top level metrics are is going to influence all these other tactics going, you know, as you go down, almost like a metric funnel, if you will, right? Because, you know, we want to generate money. But to your point, if you're SEO, you want to start thinking about organic traffic and tied to that is where you're ranking and the click through rates. And, you know, with social, how much are you investing? You can choose which channels you're investing more in because you are going to be able to know are those ultimately moving the top level goals? Are those touch points in your funnel that's going, you're going to be able to attribute to that ultimate revenue value? Yeah. And the other thing to, to remember as well, Chris Daly was on the show, uh, what do you call it? Conversion rate optimization uh, strategist. And he said, if people, you know, people buying stuff for over $50 online, that's not a one touch conversion ever. And I'll give you another thing. These hats, my friends, and I like the Washington team. I don't care what they call them. I think they should just call them the Washington Washington football club, honestly. And Washington, everybody calling them the football team, by the way, is very American. Just call them Washington. Like, seriously, why do you have to call them the football team? That's everybody. But anyway, those hats cost $32 or something like that. And I didn't even buy that hat without going to it a bunch of times. Do you know what I'm saying? So if you expect somebody to make a purchase online for 500 bucks or 1200 bucks or or even more, or I know many SaaS companies, sorry if I'm offending, I, I'm trying not to, Garrett, but many SaaS companies, it's like $30,000. That's, that's like the, the base package. Nobody's going to buy that by reading one white paper that they can't read on their mobile phone, right? Because you have three columns. Don't do columns in white papers, guys. Don't make it readable on mobile. Um, so that's another thing to to consider. I mean, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are so many touch points. And in our world in marketing, attribution is becoming that much more challenging, right? Like unless you have everything organized and details properly, like with your data collection, it's really hard to know, you know, are you looking at the very last touch? Like, are they coming and purchasing from an ad? Are they purchasing from the white paper? Are they purchasing from the review site and reading all the reviews? You know, that's why it's great that you're so focused on like authentic storytelling and brand awareness, because that is a bigger part of the picture. It's just trickier to be able to say, oh, well, this is the reason that someone bought, you know, spent $50 on a couple of Washington hats. Yeah, I think they they all go hand in hand, quite frankly, right? I mean, like even last night when they won the NFC Championship, I bought a, a stocking hat and I bought a T-shirt. I didn't buy the hat. I didn't like the hat, the way it looked, even though, it, you know, it looked great on Alex Smith out there being interviewed. But again, you know, that was how did they measure that I would that I came from the TV 
broadcast. How do they know? Like, maybe I saw it on Twitter. Maybe I saw it like, I mean, or maybe they don't care. Yeah. And I think it depends on the maturity of a business, right? And even, even some of the old school dinosaur businesses where they never update their technology still struggle with this or in specific industries, you think of like the legal industry. Now, sure, there's a lot of advancements in legal tech or in academia, but there's still a lot of companies that are really struggling to be able to show the value of their marketing efforts. And so, you know, for anyone who adopts you know, the process of content marketing, the process of investing in these different channels and understands the end game, there's opportunity for you and your career to be successful for these companies because you can speak to how these processes are ultimately going to impact these goals. Yeah, it is. But it is. I mean, it also doesn't help that we have people running around and saying half of my marketing budget is wasted. We just don't know which half. Um, do you know what I mean? Like that <laughs> stuff like that is not helpful either, but it's, it's so disconnected anymore. I mean, we don't always know. Uh, I'll give you an example. Every once in a while I do a, a, a project on authentic storytelling.net with a sponsor. Like, I mean, even, you know, I mentioned restream and, and mentioned switcher studio, uh, and they're, they're kind of in the same area, but they're, they're different. They're not, uh, technically competitors, uh, because one is multi-channel and one is an iPad app basically, and the other one doesn't have an iPad app. That's not that's not their their model. But what's interesting is every time I uh, I, I do a, a package or something with somebody and it goes on the website, it's not a campaign. I don't delete it. I mean, I was just looking at that the other day with the tracking codes, right? If you don't use, I mean, at least I know it's hard, but use tracking codes. Use uh, you know build a UTM uh, whatever you call it, a UTM um, code. Um, so I can see who is clicking from the different articles. And some of these articles were written last year and they still get clicks like yeah. four months after. So, but I don't get, I don't get anything anymore. Right. I'm not, we're done. Like the project concluded. So that's another sign that the long tail, the process, as you like to say, works. Well, would you say, do you think businesses are getting better or worse at tracking their marketing investments and performance. I mean, there are so many tools out there and yet it feels just as hard as it was, you know, five years ago. What do you think? Well, I think it's easier on some campaigns than others, right? So if I'm running an ad campaign, it's very easy for me to say, this is how many people uh, clicked over. This is how many people did whatever. Uh, okay. Now I'm changing the wording a little bit and now I have more people clicking. So it's a lot easier. Um, and, and the more money I throw at the thing, um, the more people will click, the more people will see it. But on the, on the SEO side, I mean, I was talking to somebody today and I, actually, I was actually looking at something today. I think content ideas has maybe 590 monthly searches. So if I can rank number one for that, you know, I might get, I don't know, let's say 200 clicks a month that in the big picture. And then out of those 200, four might buy something, right? Depending on what I'm currently selling. So at, at the end of the day, those numbers seem really small and they, it doesn't help that we have some people out there throwing big numbers around. I mean, every, you know, um, so you have to take it within context. How big is my audience? Uh, who am I trying to reach? I was talking to somebody and I said, how big is that audience even? And he said, 50,000 people. And I said, where? He goes, worldwide. 50,000 people or so on your website realistically, you're probably reaching everybody, right? Because there's some bleed over. 
And then what are you selling to them? What, you know, what's the business model? So I think, I think it depends. I think it's easier in some areas than others. Um, I think there's been enough, um, I'm talking about storytelling on this thing. There's enough businesses that have shown the success around content marketing. Um, there's the, you know, Marcus Sheridan's company. He's going to be on the show later this month, by the way, the sales line. And, you know, they have, they just share everything around spas and yeah. people search for spas and, you know, they, and now they do videos. So people actually, when they come in or when some, when they go out, I don't know how they do it. They say, oh, that's Christoph from the video. That's, I'm, I don't work there. Right. But whoever that's so-and-so from the video. Um, and so they can measure that, but that is not as measurable as me sending a report from Google analytics or Google ads so i don't know i think it's easier in some areas and others you know and then you have the people who want to nitpick it apart and say well did that really happen did that really work um and then we have on the flip side we have not to pick on the salespeople, but we have some salespeople who don't fill out salesforce correctly and so now i can't track anything because they came from wherever and we know where they came from but uh, it wasn't filled out on the back end. So we don't know what was the deal size. So maybe that's becoming less and less. But I, I've seen that where, you know, especially when Salesforce gets introduced early on, there's always some people pushing back. I, I think you bring up a good point that brings it back to the process, which is how important it is that the people who you have with their daily tasks know what they they have disrupted one part of the process, everything breaks, right? Like the information, the data that the salespeople are collecting by filling out their Salesforce forms every time they have a call with a prospect or exchange an email or whatever, wherever they're gathering that info, they need to be within that process and executing that process for the holistically everything to work together. So then the strategy folks can look at all that information and say, oh, we're seeing all of these people, you know, who need, you know, a shirt in the color blue. We're going to invest more in, in building up more blue shirts. I'm thinking recently I heard the story I was talking to. I was listening to the story from Will Reynolds of Sear Interactive. And he was talking about, you know, at, we've been doing a malpractice when it comes to SEO with so much data out there. It's really hard to track it. We need these processes in place to be able to dissect millions of terabytes of data, right? Where, for instance, if you have a website and you are you have tens of thousands of pages and, you know, to your point, you're talking about search volume and you have, you know, this one keyword that has 100,000 monthly searches and it's generating maybe 10% of your sales. But then, you know, you have 50,000 other pages that are each generating one sale. Now, ultimately, you're going to look at all that other work and you're going to say, okay, well, each of these pages is only generating one sale. But in aggregate, when you're looking at 50,000 sales compared to that one page that's generating you know, 10,000 sales, they all matter. So you need these processes to be able to dissect and analyze these massive amounts of data. And that's just another place that the processes come into play and you need to be organized and being able to look at everything in a holistic manner. Well, and, but somebody also has to come up with a process. I mean, you know, it's like when I think about these live streams, you know, here's my process. This is how I do it. Here's how I figure out who I'm going to talk to. Here's what the keyword is we're going after. I don't have a big debate usually about that. Then here's how I move it to the podcast channel at what time. 
right? And and that's always an interesting thing because usually if you're listening to this on the on the podcast channel, most of the podcast recordings are now live streamed. And usually they're live streamed quite a bit earlier. So for example, right now, this episode is scheduled for January 28th and today is January 4th. So 24 days, so over three weeks. And the reason I do that is because we're already pushing this out everywhere. What's the point of pushing the podcast out everywhere and then promoting that again? Now, somebody might argue, well, it's a different audience. And it is to an extent, but you know, there's another podcast publishing tomorrow, so I'm not sweating it. But then I got to figure out after that, what do I do with it after that? Do I write an article? Do I integrate it with another article? Um, and that's, of course, just on the content side. Um, but somebody has to come up with the processes. And then here's the other thing, Gary. Here's my question for you. Stuff changes. And I remember back in the day, you roll out a new process and somebody says, oh, that's not working. That's not working. That's not working. And what I'm saying is, instead of making a face like what I just did, which is that was not my resting thinking face. That was a meanie face, right? I mean, Come up with a solution. How do you make the process better? Collaborate. I mean, what do you think of that? Well, how, do you agree with that? Or do you think is the process uh, etched in stone once you get going? I think I think iterating on processes is really important to reflect on the processes and find ways to make them better. But I think you touch on another thing, which is when you're working with multiple people on a processes and you're you're depending on other people to execute yours, a big part of it is buy-in, right? You need to be able to story tell to the other people who are using the process that you've created. You need to be able to share with them the value of the process and how it's going to help them either do their job better, make their job easier, help them to succeed. So to your point, it's like someone needs to come up with the process. Someone, you then need to be able to sell the story of that process to the people who are going to be using it because it's only as effective as, as you know, it being used correctly. And then to reflect on that process, look at it, try to find the holes at it, and then find the solutions to make it better. And, you know, people want it to be static. You want to be able to set it and let it and be done with it. But that's not the way our world works. Our world is constantly changing. And so it's important as part of your process to be able to have different touch points where you look back, re-audit, reevaluate, improve, and then continue to move forward. So I be, don't at me, guys, about being so black and white about this. Do not. Don't. Don't even think about it. So I do believe in the whole buy-in thing. I really do because it's a team, Right. But let's take a football team. So, yes, you need to get buy-in. But on the other hand, aren't you all going after the same goal? Like, why do I need to get buy-in? Why do I need to pamper you? And I'm overstating things a little bit here. But why am I pampering you to please follow a new process that will help things make easier for us? Why do we need to, like, let's just do it. We're a team. Like, you know, somebody goes to the Washington football team and says to Ron Rivera, you know, you haven't gotten my buy-in yet. And Ron will say, are you kidding me? We're trying to win a football game and this is how we're going to do it. This is the system. So I know that's kind of like the both the, the extremes, right, on both sides. But but part of it also comes back to hiring the right team members, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, ultimately, leadership is going to be a major primary determining factor in whether you succeed or not. 
You know, if the leadership isn't selling the idea from the top down, then you're going to have a, you're, you're not going to be successful. You're going to find all these cracks in the armor. And maybe that does start with who you're hiring. Maybe that does start with the strategy and the processes and the tactics that you're executing. Maybe it starts with the whole mission of the business, but it is, I I agree with you 100%. It's always going to start with leadership and the leadership is, I mean, that's why CEOs get paid so much, right? Is they're decision makers. They're the people who are responsible for the direction of the ship. You know, maybe they, they you know, a CEO might not need as much like technical in the weeds sort of responsibilities. They're putting themselves on the line by saying, okay, the buck stops here. Absolutely. And in a second, tell us what your company does. How do how do people connect with them? But before we do that, on Amazon Live, if you guys are watching really quickly, this is this new gaming chair I got. It's featured on Amazon Live right now. Uh, I don't know how much it is. $189.99. I wish I would have gotten it a long time ago. What do you do, Gary? Do you, do you sit or stand during the day? I'm, I'm, I'm seated. I do move around, you know, through remote. I've been working remote for a while and I love the remote work. I love being able to work with people asynchronously, but I'm, uh, I'm always in a chair. I, have you done the standing thing? I don't know if I could do it. Yeah. So I got to stand. This is a, everything is set up on a stand as I'm currently sitting. And since I got this chair, um, I'm, I'm definitely sitting more. Um, I try to stand maybe an hour, hour and a half, two hours, maybe in the, you know, during the day, um, usually in the morning, uh, you know, kind of it's, it's up and down, so to speak. Haha. <laughs> At the end of the day, this chair has been, I don't know why I didn't get it earlier, probably because I thought I'm not a teenage boy, but it's super comfortable. And then the other thing um, I want to mention is this microphone. I just got that too. It's basically coming from behind the monitor, uh, $65 on Amazon. On Amazon, I'm highlighting it. If you're watching somewhere else and you need the link, se- uh, send me a message. Jeez. And the audio sounds fantastic, right? You sound great. Yeah, I can hear everything crystal clear. Yeah, that's awesome. So how do people work with you and why would they reach out? What's the, yeah, tell us your your uh, um, secret power. The 411. So I, I do marketing for this really great suite of SaaS tools. So it, the website's buytraject.com and we offer a variety of tools for marketing. So, you know, one of them is Scythe, which is a dashboarding tool to allow you to pull all of your metrics together into one place and share with your team. That's Scythe.com. We do do some in the online reviews is grade.us or gatherup.com. They help you generate, monitor, and manage your reviews. Uh, Fan booster social media scheduling, which is what you're talking about, being able to curate and share all of your great content no matter when people are online. And so that's a scheduling tool. Um, So a variety of different tools. We also do authoritylabs.com, which is uh, SEO rank tracking and traject data, which kind of ties into the Will Reynolds part, which is being able to look at your Google search engine results page and massive volumes of keywords. We're talking to your big query data studio and being able to visualize all of that information. That's fantastic. And so when you say about a dashboard pulls everything together, like define everything. 
This is really cool. So what Scythe does is you create these widgets, really easy to set up. You can pull in any sort of apps, marketing tools they use, whether it's Google Analytics, Google Search Console, your email marketing tools, your social media tools. You create these widgets where you identify the one metric that you want to view over time. So it could be followers like we talked about. It could be a goal you set up in, in Google Analytics. And you can basically design your dashboard so you can see all of these different metrics in one report in real time. Fantastic. And that's always something I like, obviously, to have everything in one place. The taps that we have open is unbelievable today. Seriously, sometimes I just restart because I want to start from scratch. Uh, Garrett, my pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for sharing your insights. Great to connect with you on Twitter. I always like to invite people who share good things on Twitter and then I bring them on and we can have a, a great discussion about it. Really uh, appreciate you making the time. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Christophe. I, I geek out over this stuff, so I could talk marketing with you all day. We could talk hours, but we're not Twitch gamers. <laughs> we, we're just doing the podcast. But, you know, that's what they do. They talk. They do go for hours and hours. So, um, But I don't know. We should try that one of these days. I mean, there is some of these talk shows. I, you know what I think is going to happen is if I ask people to come on the show and say, hey, you want to come on? from nine to one, uh, I think at some point people will say that might be too much, but uh, we're not Mike and Mike. But hey, good stuff, great insights. Always appreciate uh, experts like you to come on and um, help us all learn and grow together. Thanks again. Thanks everyone for listening and watching. Until next time. Do you need help with digital marketing for your small to medium-sized business? Reach out now and drop us a message at ctrap at gmail.com. Thank you.